Hey guys, before we get started with this week's episode, the Nintendo GameCube, just a reminder, if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other content from Wondersoul, feel free to support Wondersoul on Patreon at patreon.com slash Wondersoul, that's W-N-D-R-S-O-U-L. With your support, I can continue to devote any and all of my time and energy into this podcast and content like Wonder Sounds, which is our monthly beat compilation featuring a ton of talented producers from all over the world uh, with different themes and sounds and scenes that might be familiar. Also, returning to YouTube Wonder News, which is going to be our pop culture news roundup show every week uh, on the Wonder Soul YouTube channel. Just content like that, I'll be able to really focus and hone in on uh, because of your support. But hey, if you are already supporting on Patreon, thank you. Because of your support, I can continue to create and chase my dreams. But if you do want to support and you're not already on Patreon, that's patreon.com slash wondersoul. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode, and I hope you guys enjoy. This video war, video game war is heating up tonight. Nintendo's GameCube system is about to hit the stores, but some lucky people are already playing the games. Kathleen Trigg joins us now with the story. Kathleen? Well, Rollin, it's all part of a $75 million marketing campaign designed to convince video game fans that GameCube is better than the competition. And tonight they lined up outside a New York nightclub just to get a sneak peek. This is awesome. This is video game heaven. We're just waiting for the GameCube to come out. Everybody's so anxious to play with it and everything. What have you played so far? I've played uh, Super Smash Brothers. So How is it? It's pretty good. Yeah. It's very good. This year, Nintendo is featuring everything from Super Monkey Ball to Wave Race, which lets players get a little wet and wild. And old favorites, basketball and football, look so real, you feel like you're part of the action. So what do you think? It's very realistic. It's better than any other system that I've played before. So what is it that separates GameCube from its competitors like Sony PlayStation 2? Many of these video game experts tell me it's all in the controls. No, actually, it's very easy. Once you memorize it, press start. Once you memorize it, you know where everything goes. But Nintendo says ease is not the only feature separating their newest game from the rest. This, uh, I think, pushes the uh, envelope of reality. The system, it, I've had people when I was doing shows in Houston walk up wondering who was playing uh, football on CBS. That's how real it was. I was one of those who made that mistake tonight. Well, GameCube will hit the stores in just about 10 days, but it's going to have some stiff competition with Sony PlayStation 2 and Microsoft's new Xbox, also expected to be big hits this year. to this week's episode of Wonder Soul, episode 145, Nintendo GameCube. Uh, first of all, thank you again for checking out this episode. And what we're going to do, hopefully, 
is just kind of go over some things about the classic Nintendo video game console. Now, the Nintendo GameCube for some is probably maybe one of the weaker consoles in the Nintendo's cycle of home video game systems. But for me, it just holds a very special place uh, in my childhood, in my, in my passion for video games because of the amount of time that I used and <laughs> played games on that system. Uh, given the fact that I was at this prime age, I think for video games, like I think when you're too young, you can play and you, you're having fun obviously because you're moving all the, you know, the buttons and the sticks and everything's moving on the screen and there's something very satisfying about that. But then you reach a certain age where you can actually technically understand exactly what you're doing within those games. And then like the whole catalog and library is open to you now it, it used to be just fun simple games but now you can get into something a little bit more complex and even a little bit more mature now when we talk about maturity that's going to be something that we're going to have to address later in this episode when we're talking about the nintendo gamecube uh the nintendo gamecube was just interesting from the sheer look of the console if you guys don't remember the console itself just had this very unique aesthetic uh, featuring this purple color, this purple gray. Now, there was other variations that you could get. Uh, I think there was like a yellow one or uh, I know for sure there was a black one um, and I think maybe a silver gray. But I, I had the purple. I think at one point I tried to pick up another GameCube and when I did, I got a black one and I thought that was like a badass looking GameCube and there was just uh, I think a few other variations that were like limited release or something special like that but you know focusing on the color I feel like is unfair because so many consoles today have different variations they they had the same shape but maybe there's like a game that comes with it that's like a big title and so the system has all these images and it's like that special edition um but the GameCube was literally just a cube. It was a box. Uh, I remember just when I first saw it, I think it just stood out so oddly to me compared to what we're used to uh, with Nintendo with home consoles, you know? This was like a small system, so very compact. It had that weird handle. Uh, and the only reason why I say weird is because it was like a feature that was unique but it might have been a little foreshadowing for what we are actually experiencing more today with the current gen, with the Nintendo Switch and portability and this encouragement from Nintendo to want to game, you know, on the go and, and, and experience these, you know, games wherever you went. So I don't think I really used that handle. I think I tried just whenever I'd go spend the night at a friend's house and play GameCube, which I, I did a ton of that when I was younger, especially that summer uh, when it released. I'm, I'm thinking I got it the same summer, maybe a couple summers later. Either way, you know, I'd pack up all the cords in my backpack, but like I'd carry the console 
just because, I mean, it had a handle. Uh, another thing about the uh, Nintendo GameCube uh, on looks alone, um, well, I guess we could really say it's more of an interior thing, but the, uh, the or a feature, the disc, the discs were so small. They were like these mini DVD um and and that was so odd at the time and this is something that we can go ahead and address um but this is something that because of the design and concept of the nintendo gamecube where it struggled a lot uh to grab uh, general audiences because if you guys don't remember or you're not familiar the Nintendo GameCube was the last console to come out in that generation. It actually released three days after the Xbox, the first generation Xbox. Uh, the PlayStation 2, which to this day I am pretty sure is still the best-selling video game console of all time, released a whole year prior to the November 2001 release of the nintendo gamecube now it released in japan like in september so just a few months before that do you guys remember when there was such a gap between certain releases when it even came to games um and especially consoles uh now now it's more of like a worldwide release but you know there was that time where japan would have something like exclusively <laughs> for such a long time and then we'd have to wait to get it all later here in north america or if you just live anywhere outside of japan now with that all recently just being said i want to point out the fact that the design of the gamecube led to it being a product that struggled with its identity i mean nintendo itself was having an issue in this current state of gaming with its audiences um, and had a really hard time breaking away from this family friendly kid only type of console or product and you know nintendo is initially a toy company you know, we look at games today differently. It's more of a technology. It's, you know, gaming as a whole is more widely uh, known and accepted. Even back in the early 2000s, I remember being a kid who didn't grab a PS2 or an Xbox. I had a Nintendo GameCube because before that, I had a Nintendo 64. I remember specifically even getting a PlayStation 1 for Christmas and asking my mother to somehow return it right after so I could get a 64 because I wanted the Nintendo 64. I just had this attachment to those characters and spent most of my time before my 10, 11, 9, you know, age playing mostly on the Super Nintendo, the SNES or anything like it. Um, and so that's where this whole mature and maturity comes into play here because the GameCube, I don't know, like I think it's on like the end of the 90s and there's this like rad marketing and stuff like that. So it kind of had these weird ass commercials at first. Um, you know, if I, if I was just somebody who didn't know much about gaming or Nintendo or anything and I saw their ads, I don't know if it would appeal to me. It would be these people just walking into uh, like uh, train stations or just different random pla public places and there would be cubes with 
actually nothing super related to the game. It was like, I think Super Smash Brothers Melee had this commercial with these two samurais fighting inside a transparent cube that was like the GameCube. And it was just weird. And, and they had that chick at the end that would always be like, GameCube. And it's just like, what? <laughs> you know? I think that, that it was just a weird time in Nintendo. I mean, a lot of people look back at, at the Nintendo GameCube we haven't even got to the games and a couple other things that I really want to talk about, but just on the fact of that that time for Nintendo, like they have become kind of the odd man out <laughs> in the console wars. And the console wars, uh, even though they're still, you know, something that people really focus on, like, oh, Sony's better than Xbox and... Nintendo this and PC that and I know PC ah, you get what I'm saying though so anyways it, it, to me I've always felt like Nintendo was like always the one that focused on the games and stayed focused on the games almost to a point where it it hurt itself uh, because the big player in that generation of consoles was DVDs and because the Nintendo GameCube wasn't a DVD player it couldn't even play CD-ROMs, so if, you know if you had CDs, it just didn't work. It only played those mini DVDs, and and that scared developers as well. Like supposedly, like certain games wouldn't, you know, were too big to fit on just one disc, or they they just didn't even want to bother making a port, you know, to the Nintendo GameCube. And so what happened was is here's that beginning trend that I think even now. The Nintendo Switch is struggling just a little bit. I think they've gotten a lot better. But, you know, as far as, like, I remember being a kid, being a GameCube owner, and having to literally miss out on so many titles because it was only going to be on Xbox and PlayStation. Now, I know every console, every company has its exclusives, but, you know, you got to think about some of the bigger games at that time, like Grand Theft Auto. You know, I mean, I, I know that the GameCube got a lot of like EA Sports and a lot of the sports titles like the Tiger Woods, PGA Tour, Madden's and stuff like that. But there was a ton of titles that just weren't going to even come over to the GameCube at any time. And like with the Switch, it's still kind of rare to get a uh, release that's on all the consoles at the same time like usually the switch gets something a year or so later or gets some kind of port from like even the previous generation you know so it's interesting but i think like the third party support then became a problem for nintendo moving forward um, now, online play wasn't a huge thing just at, at that stage in the game. You know, I feel like once we got into the PlayStation 3, you had the PlayStation Network, you know, Xbox 360, Xbox Live, which they already technically had. But you know what I'm saying? It really became uh, more of a normal thing, I think, for online gameplay. Now, the Nintendo GameCube had four slots. You can have four controllers. You could do LAN parties and stuff like that. You know, if you wanted to, I think like what Mario Kart Double Dash and stuff like that would have been perfect when it came to, you know, LAN parties. I mean, Nintendo is known for its multiplayer, though, like it's couch co-op, the, the four player split screen even. 
just so many titles that we as uh, you know gamers or just people who were you know having fun playing like games like 007 GoldenEye and Smash Brothers and stuff on the Nintendo 64 and that introduced the four players um so it, you know I don't think it was so much a struggle on the GameCube's part of not really being super online even now with the Switch Nintendo has struggled throughout the years since the GameCube trying to implement a really nice uh, online um, you know system and I think that there's so many blueprints out there already that have been pretty successful that I wouldn't blame you Nintendo if you just kind of copied some of their stuff beat to beat just to get us something worth having but I mean <laughs> it just kind of shows like reflecting on that generation what positives came from the Nintendo GameCube, you know, as we moved forward, as, as we know, like the Nintendo Wii was the console after that. Um, and then after the Nintendo Wii, which I, I think the Wii was always pretty successful. Uh, it was kind of gimmicky and motion controls were such a prime focus. And there was even talks or even examples of motion control with the GameCube, I think. Um, so it kind of shows right then like what they were already gearing towards now I've always respected Nintendo for its thinking outside the box this changed the way you play and where you play They've always been different and I think that it's in a lot of ways helped them establish themselves in this business in this marketplace um, But it's also hurt them and held them back and the GameCube was like a very unfortunate example of that seeing like looking back i see it more but as a kid all of the negatives right were very few for someone at at my age i was the prime target audience for the nintendo gamecube and i had a friend and even my stepbrother at uh as we grew up had playstation 2s and xboxes i had friends where we would almost like community share you know, oh, this is only on the GameCube. I'm going to bring the GameCube over. Or, oh, hey, this was only on PlayStation 2. You want to rent this? Uh, one of the biggest memories I have of the uh, Nintendo GameCube was uh, one of the first summers that I got it. Uh, two things happened. I had this, like, pass at Blockbuster. If you're listening to this and you know what I'm talking about, please let me know. Uh, but I basically could just keep renting. It was like a monthly subscription, I think, or something like that. So all summer, the first summer with that console, I didn't even really own that many games. There was no point. I would just go rent them and beat them, return them. Or if I didn't like them, I didn't waste my money and I'd go take it back. And I loved that freedom. It allowed me to experiment and try so many different games that, you know, we struggle with today. Yeah, we have free to play games and, and that's cool. And a lot of them are pretty good quality and, you know, not many demos are out there. I just played the Final Fantasy VII remake demo and that was really good. Um... But, you know, as far as just trying something before you invest 60 plus dollars in it, you know, depending on if there's season pass, DLC, pre-order, you know, all this extra stuff, you know, there was a time where renting was just such a freedom to commit to whatever you felt like you actually liked. Because other, uh, other than most media, 
you know, video games is such a hands-on. Like, you can look at a game and it's beautiful and there might be everything that you see that you think you like or you know you like, but the moment you get that controller in your hands and you're playing the game and you're experiencing whatever that is, you know, you know, you just feel it. And you're like, eh, I'm not having that much fun or, you know, and it's some of the games that you wouldn't think you'd like. And when you played them, you're like, wow, this is really fun. And unfortunately, like the GameCube just, it had only Nintendo titles really to rely on. Let's be honest. I mean, when it launched, it only had 12 or 15, uh, 15 launched games. My bad. That's crazy. Uh when i think the ps2 launched it had like 32 or something and then think about it like this the ps2 now had a whole year of releases on top of that but we'll we'll get into more of the releases and the video games of the nintendo gamecube because there's some other things that we can talk about but we, we can tie that in together uh after this quick promo break for uh another podcast i'm sure that you would enjoy so uh take time to check out this podcast there's a link for it in the description of this podcast episode that you're listening to and stick around and when we get back we will continue talking about the infamous nintendo gamecube and all the fun (laughs) and unfortunate gamecube games and accessories so stick around and enjoy this promo break Hi, I'm Cody. And I'm Christian. And we're Nerds with Friends. Not just two nerds who have some friends. No, we're your hosts for the podcast, Nerds with Friends. We cover any topic that people can nerd out over, from TV, movies, and comics, to conventions, tabletop RPGs, and much more. Nerds with Friends comes out every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. And of course, on our website, nerdswithfriendspodcast.com. Join us every week as we confess our nerdy confessions and talk about the latest in nerdy news. And remember, you're not alone. You're with friends. This is Nerds with Friends. Thank you for listening. Now back to the show. Lit's Gaming Arena. Coming soon. All right, welcome back. And if you check out that podcast and you enjoy listening to them, be sure to rate and review them on Apple Podcasts and share them with friends. And if you enjoyed this episode so far, uh, and if you enjoy any of the episodes here on the Wondersoul Podcast, you can do the same. That's an awesome way to support any podcast is by rating and reviewing them wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's Apple Podcasts or you can go on podchaser.com. Search the podcast. You can even listen to Wondersoul there. But if you go to podchaser.com and search Wondersoul, rate and review, you can listen to all the episodes and yeah, support the podcast even more. So thank you guys so much. And let's continue our discussion here about the Nintendo GameCube. Okay, so here's a fun little interesting fact that I had no idea until doing this episode, but did you know that when the Nintendo company, 
<laughs> was announcing this uh, Nintendo GameCube. At first, it was publicly announced as Project Dolphin, the successor to the Nintendo 64. They had this thing in mind with the word dolphin, and this was almost called the Nintendo Dolphin. Uh, I don't know, it just... It, it's interesting, I guess. It would have been really weird. Uh, the GameCube's still like its own unique name, but Nintendo Dolphin, nah, nah. So yeah, and they announced this in 1999, by the way. But it wasn't until about E3 2001 did they announce and show a lot of their launch games and some of the games that were gonna be on the Nintendo GameCube. Uh, especially when it released uh, in November. So here is a list of the titles that were available at launch. Uh, they focused on Luigi's Mansion, Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2, Rogue Leader. Two of my personal favorites, but the rest of the games at launch were All-Star Baseball 2002, Batman Vengeance, Crazy Taxi, Dave Miria, Freestyle BMX2, Disney's Tarzan Untamed, Madden NFL 2002, NHL Hits 2002, and Super Monkey Ball, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, and Wave Race Blue Storm. In total, throughout the life cycle, the lifespan of the Nintendo GameCube, at least 552 games were released here in North America. Uh, how many in total worldwide? I'm not too sure. If you guys do know, let me know. That's still a lot of games, um, but this take into consideration the fact that the GameCube just was lacking when it came to third-party support. Now, in this initial launch, you don't really see that. I mean, but I think it's covered up with a lot of sports games. Madden, NHL Hits, I guess you can consider Tony Hawk Pro Skater a sports game, All-Star Baseball. Um, you know, where in this current console uh, generation, I feel like sports games really took a step back. There weren't as many of them, but that's a whole nother conversation for another episode. Um, but the thing about the GameCube that people forget or don't mention enough is the amount of uh, games and new franchises that were going to become pretty popular for nintendo moving forward they made their debut on the gamecube that's pikmin uh metroid prime and luigi's mansion which luigi's mansion 3 just released i think last year for the nintendo switch which actually the week of recording this and i'm going to talk about this on wonder news but it is the third year anniversary of the nintendo switch so now we've gotten the third Luigi's Mansion. So that being the launch title for the GameCube was, you know, pretty wild because that was the first Nintendo console to not launch with a Mario game. And, you know, that is really different for Nintendo, but them taking a chance and starting this new franchise that's actually, uh, from what I've read, I haven't got a chance to actually sit down and play Luigi's Mansion 3, but it, it was actually a low-key hit. It was the sleeper of 2019. Uh, and if you guys have played it, let me know. Um, but here's the thing about the Nintendo. Even though it was released with a 199 
retail price, that's a hundred bucks lower than the PlayStation 2 and even the Xbox. The, and, and remember, the Xbox released only a couple days before the GameCube. The GameCube just wasn't something that was attracting general audiences. Like, it was really losing a lot of steam to the new dog in the race with Microsoft Xbox and, you know, their focus on more mature titles, I guess you could say. Uh, because, you know, like we mentioned before the promo break, we've been dealing with the fact that Nintendo, this this console was facing this family-friendly appeal and lack of support from like all the third-party developers. And so that really made the audience and, and market just younger. And it just, at that time, it was uh, not the majority of uh, people in the gaming population. I mean, a lot of people like to think of games as more of a, a, a younger infatuation, but Nowadays, games are for everyone, and they've always been, and they've been for people of all ages, and that's the thing. Nintendo tried to, you know, find itself there. Like, what what do you do? Uh, they were obviously making choices that just weren't going to connect with a lot of the consumers. Now, the games, the games on the GameCube, through the lifespan of that console from 2001 to 2007... They had some of the best games. Um, the best-selling game, actually, for the Nintendo GameCube was the Super Smash Bros. Melee. Sold over 7 million units, my friends. That is a lot of video games. Uh, but looking back at some of the top best, uh, let's, let's look at some of these uh, games, and I'm going to announce this list. I want to see if you guys agree with any of these rankings uh super smash brothers melee mario kart double dash one of the best mario karts in my opinion super mario sunshine which was a game that i think now and later uh people look back on it and it's you know actually more positive than maybe when it first came out uh legend of zelda the wind waker now that's one that was very controversial just because um, one of the first times that Nintendo ever announced or mentioned the Nintendo GameCube, they showed this video of like a dark, more mature, uh, atmosphere Zelda game with, uh, Link fighting, uh, Gandorf or whatever. And, uh, people were losing their minds. They were losing their shit. And, Actually, what they ended up getting was Wind Waker, which was the cell shaded graphics and, and art style and look, and it and it just was like there you go again, Nintendo. I think you are aiming for a younger demographic, but that was still one of the best Zelda games out there. Um, Luigi's Mansion, Metroid Prime, people. Metroid Prime was the first version of the metroid series in this like first person 3d shooter come on like that alone got me so hyped that summer i remember being so uh excited for metroid prime and metroid prime 4 is supposed to be coming out someday sometime uh for the switch so that, that hey let's hope that that happens as soon as possible um and there was a, a sequel metroid prime 2 
Um, and, uh, and there's a couple other ones, I think. Uh, but Animal Crossing, which is, it is currently March. At the end of this month, we're getting a new Animal Crossing for the Nintendo Switch, uh, New Horizons. A lot of people are excited about that. Well, the first Animal Crossing was on the Nintendo GameCube. Um, fresh off of the release of the movie, Sonic Adventures 2 was one of the top 10 games ranked. Um, and then also Twilight Princess, The Legend of Zelda. And then one of a lot of people's favorites, Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. Now I know there's a lot of games that I left off of that list. That's just a handful. That's just 10 out of so many games in that library. I know a lot of people, whenever the Nintendo GameCube is brought up, they bring up games like Super Mario Strikers, right? <laughs> Internal Darkness, uh, Pikmin, Beautiful Joe, people. Check out Beautiful Joe. Just go on YouTube and look up Beautiful Joe. That is such an awesome game. That was one of the few games I did own by random chance. The cover, I guess, caught my eye. Uh, there was no internet uh, like it is today. I couldn't just like look at a game and go, huh, I wonder what this was. Plus, I was young. Um, <laughs> but Metal Gear Solid, The Twin Snakes, uh, Resident Evil 4 which by so many people's opinions is one of the best games, not only on the Nintendo GameCube, but one of the best games in general, and especially in the Resident Evil series, which actually has like a Netflix uh, live action show in the works, by the way. And we're getting Resident Evil 3 remake, remaster, all the remakes and remasters. <laughs> Uh, and a bunch of Mario parties. I think like four, five, and six came out on the Nintendo GameCube. Fire Emblem was out there. Path of Radiance. Um, there was a there was a lot. There is uh, one that was super interesting. I remember Star Fox Adventures being such a weird game. Uh, it was like this new approach to Star Fox and actually I think it just was a complete miss. I, I actually think I recall there being this, either it's a rumor or it's actually fact, you guys let me know, where Star Fox Adventures was originally another game and then they kind of like stuffed Star Fox stuff into it to make it a Star Fox game, but it was actually like a dinosaur game because if you ever get a chance to play or look up the uh, games <laughs> for uh, the GameCube. Look up Star Fox Adventure and look at some of the screenshots, man. It's 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 a weird one. It's a weird one. Uh, some of my personal favorites um, that aren't really super popular, just by seeing some that I, I remember playing now. But I, I really enjoyed the Lord of the Rings movie games on there, like Two Towers and Return of the King, made by EA. Those were fun. Uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, for some reason, had a ton of fun. Well, not for some reason. I was really into Harry Potter at that time, too. Um, Burnout was such a fun game. Uh, there was even a Harry Potter Quidditch game that was fun. I didn't get to play it on GameCube, but I did play that on the PlayStation 2 with a friend of mine. Um, I had Godzilla King of All Monsters or one of the Godzilla games for some wacky reason. Um, let me see if there's anything else that can come to mind. Um, oh, dude, if you're a Pokemon fan, there was Pokemon Coliseum. That's uh, one of our first introductions to, I know there's Pokemon Stadium, but 
you know, with the 3D Pokemon. That was so cool if you're a Pokemon fan. And I think there was like Pokemon XD or something like that. I had kind of started to tail off the of Pokemon for a moment there. Uh, I think in the GameCube life cycle. And this is where we got a lot of the the Mario sports games like Mario Golf, Toadstool Tour. Now, I mentioned this earlier, but Super Mario Strikers. We even got um, a F-Zero game. Uh, F-Zero GX, which is, uh, you know, Captain Falcon from Smash Brothers. Um, so we got a racing game with that. Super fun. High speeds and velocities. Um, one of the cool things about that generation, if you guys remember, uh, Soul Calibur 2 had exclusive fighters for each console generation. No, not generation, but each console, like PlayStation 2 and Xbox. And for... Nintendo for the GameCube, we got Link. And I'm like, wow, that's, you couldn't have picked a better character than Link to be in that game. If, you, if you're not familiar with Soul Calibur, it is a sword weapon fighting game. It's in 3D, like you can, you can slide left and right and then back and forth. Um, but it's all about characters with different weapons, specifically like swords, obviously. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they put Link in there and that was so badass, man. Such a fun game. And I, you know, I almost prefer those kind of fighters now. Just had a really good time, really good memories when it comes to that. Um, but yeah, you know, some of the third party support, if anything, was like, there was a few Call of Duties on there. Um, the Spider-Man movies, the, the, the Sam Raimi ones, uh, one and two were out there, but they were always like different. They were just not the, the prime, um, ultimate version of the game. If you, if it came out on PS2, the Madden PS2 version was always like, it felt like a year ahead of <laughs> the GameCube as far as mechanics and graphics and things like that. It always felt like the cheaper version <laughs> of the game, but you know, I stayed dedicated and uh, you know, I wasn't really missing out on too much. I, at least that's what I was telling myself at the time to make myself feel better. There was horrible games like Aquaman. Do you guys remember Aquaman on the GameCube? I never played it, but man, so many people have talked about how terrible that game is. Uh, and, and see, like I was still at that weird age where there were some games that I feel like I missed out on, like the potential of them. Like I was uh, lucky enough, I think, to have Fantasy Star Online, but I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, it looked like the cover guy had a lightsaber. I was like, oh, this is pretty badass. But I didn't really know how to navigate through a lot of RPGs back then, uh, except for like Pokemon and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, there was just like so many titles for for the lack of third-party developers and stuff like that. There still were some hits for sure, and it's kind of like uh, the way I look at some of the titles that we see are coming over to the Switch from the Wii U. Where like the Wii U was like a, a console that a lot of people really slept on, um, probably rightfully like so. I don't know if that's gonna rub people the wrong way. I know there's some dedicated Wii U fans and Nintendo fans, and I respect you, but it just like seemed like nah. I'm so happy that it it evolved into the what we have today, the Switch, because that controller. 
Yeah, and see people some some people don't like the GameCube controller. I don't know why. I always felt like it was awesome and just simple and and just had a unique vibe to it, but it the buttons just felt like they were in the right place and stuff. I've always liked my analog sticks, even though the C stick is not really like a second analog, it, it's a replacement for remember the C buttons on the 64 controller, but the way that you had one thumb up north and one down south, I guess, like, that that always made sense to me. And the PlayStation, like, I, I never really have ever cared for the thumbsticks being both on the bottom next to each other. Um, I'm just trying to think of some more games, and I'm looking up some stuff while, while I'm sitting here. So I don't forget to mention some titles that I don't want people to be like, oh my gosh, how did you do a GameCube episode and not mention time splitters 2 or rainbow six three or splinter cell which i what happened to splinter cell do they do they make those anymore um <laughs> star wars rogue leader i gotta mention this uh this is also at a time where the i think the prequels were coming out we had just gotten phantom menace and yeah dude rogue leader was just badass one of the best space fighters i've ever played i'm um, not usually into those kind of games but i just being able to live out those scenes the game just did a really good job at making you feel immersed into that situation in star wars lore and it was just fun uh definitely worth a check out um for a lot of people it was a console seller it was like a reason why they got a gamecube um and there's just you know that's the thing about nintendo like i i feel like anytime you buy a console whether it's the switch whether it was the gamecube or or anything that they come out in the future you're guaranteed to have some of these classics that are just hopefully getting better each generation um a lot of the the prime titles got really nice you know um i guess like upgrades and updates in in this generation you know metroid prime which is such a badass game and to go from what metroid was to what it turned into with prime was just a really unique transformation you know wind waker i know a lot of people feel iffy about that but i think now looking back it's definitely one of the better zelda games that we've ever had and um you know smash brothers melee how can i do a gamecube episode and not talk about melee melee to this day is such a uh, phenomenon as far as the amount of characters you were able to cross over and play with and just how fun and important smash brothers the original one on 64 was for nintendo and just for gamers alike that was such a fun game like between mario kart mario party smash brothers and uh well let's just let's stick with those like those were like the ultimate party games like couch co-op playing with your friends grab a controller this play for some hours and just you know have a good time and i, I just those are some of my fondest multiplayer you know memories i think have always been on a nintendo system because i feel like they were geared to play with others and that's why i hope that in the near future and moving forward that they continue to focus on that and improve the ways that you can play not only you know on the couch in the same room with your friends and family but with their online because they should be leading the way in their own unique ways if they could bring that nintendo you know swagger to the online service i would definitely appreciate it i know i wouldn't be the only one but 
they're 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 just known for making fun quality games and i don't think that they skipped it out even though the gamecube was this unique learning experience for nintendo and also just like a a a step into where they would have to go in order to get to where we are today um because of the gamecube i think there were so many ideas that and potential that were sewn into what we are seeing now with the Nintendo Switch. Um, this is one of the attachments, and there's a couple I want to talk about briefly. But do you guys remember the game screen attachment for the GameCube? The like the <laughs> the clamshell little screen that you could attach to the top of your GameCube and play. It was like a TV. That's that's just like what we're doing with the Switch now. You know, it's like they're always putting these little seeds into every generation for the possibility that they want to play with that later and and make that better and improve and focus on it from motion controls to portability things like that they've always been really keen on and and you got to also remember at this time and and i think right now we're in the first time that nintendo has been like in this interesting position of having both a hybrid well no it's a hybrid system so it has both portability handheld and home console uh vibes and and capabilities so before then they were splitting their library and their market into two parts where sony tried didn't really pull off i I know there are fans of the psp the playstation portable but ah you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but And then Xbox never got into that. But for the GameCube, you had this Game Boy Player. You could attach to it. And you could play your Game Boy, I think, Advance games at this time. And that was so cool. You could play it on your TV. Um, one of the weird things <laughs> to people nowadays, maybe. I don't know. Memory's always been a part of video games. Uh, even today, when you buy a console, do you get a terabyte, a two terabyte, a 500 gig? Well, back in the GameCube days, <laughs> that generation, we had memory cards. Uh, so yeah, those were always fun, right? Everybody remember memory cards? And here's one of my fondest attachment uh, stories in uh, GameCube features was I got one of the WaveBird wireless controllers. Now, wireless controllers today is like just the normal. I think every every console you buy comes with a version of a a wireless controller. Um, if you grew up with you know the 64, the original PlayStation uh, one and two stuff like that, and the Sega, yeah, all of your controllers had a wire, and you had to get real up close to the TV and stuff. The WaveBird wireless controller for the Nintendo GameCube was one of the coolest things to have experienced for the first time. I remember being at my mom's work, uh, hooked up my GameCube in this other room across the hall, turned it on, turned on my WaveBird, plugged up the little, you, you had this like attachment that went into the controller socket and then it had a little green light. And then you turned on and you put your channel and you could, because they wanted you to have more than one and you didn't want it to get confused. Uh, So it it, it knew what controller and what player was what. But I I turned it on and I started playing a game and I slowly just started walking backwards. 
and it kept testing. I'm like, oh my gosh, how far does this go? So I, I, I don't know that I'm not going to say a number cause I want to look like an idiot, <laughs> but I think it was some ridiculous, like, why would you want to play that far away from a TV unless you're playing like in a football stadium or some shit? Uh, but it was so cool. I was like, oh my God. I can like play my GameCube from the bathroom. I could like sit in the bathroom if I wanted to and hook up a GameCube and just look outside and never have to put my controller down. And that was so cool. And we and we get so used to that today because that's the norm. But you know, Nintendo's always been fun for the most part, even gimmicky at times with its attachments and accessories. But they're one of the first to really adopt and get wireless controllers down before really that's just what we they all come with but regardless i had the funnest and fondest memories of the nintendo gamecube um i i, I never once regretted getting that console over any of the other ones uh, even though now the year's 2020 looking back to when it released and its life cycle from 2001 to 2007 it's considered by a lot one of the more missteps in Nintendo's life cycles uh, that's where you know because they wanted to do mini DVDs and not DVDs it missed out on that market it's refusal to really adopt a lot more of the online vibes and third party support stuff like that that even today as you are listening to this podcast Nintendo's still trying to figure out in a lot of ways they've improved and then in some ways they're kind of in the in the same boat uh, you know and I think it's just interesting that it's almost more obvious now it, what they've been trying to focus on and they've done it in some of the more unique ways and and really not trying to adopt this uh familiarity and just kind of conform to what the console wars are they've always really wanted to stand out and the switch if really because of some of the mistakes of the wii u even the wii um just these last handful of nintendo you know consoles the switch has like been able to build up and, and learn from those mistakes and improve and and really avoid a lot of the same mishaps because right now you're seeing a lot more third-party support because uh, switches are selling like hotcakes at least they were i don't know where where they're at now um but it's just this unique way of just carrying your game on the go which where did we get that kind of initially and the gamecube had that handle on the back things like that that they just kind of seed in from you know from console to console it's like just their little their little stamp that hey this remember you're playing video games but these are nintendo video games and this is on a nintendo console and you're playing with a nintendo controller and just you know it, there's something very nostalgic about it thinking about the gamecube now and talking about it um and just the evolution of all the different things that we now are so familiar with but if you grew up through that uh that saga and 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 those times of the gamecube the playstation 2 the xbox there's there's just such a really interesting retrospective when it comes to 
uh, where we are today in gaming and where we're, we're continuing to move forward as we enter a new generation, this next generation. And uh, I wonder where Nintendo goes and what they do and how they stay relevant because they've always bounced back and, and learned from their mistakes and have always, uh, I think, made quality, fun, timeless classics when it comes to their their library of games you know with or without third-party support and uh so yeah the nintendo gamecube uh being almost going towards 20 years old is still one of my favorite and most played and and impactful video game consoles that i've ever owned and had and that to me uh, will always be true just because of that was the prime of gaming for me when I was at that really nice age of like 10 11 12 13 and and on I, I've carried on gaming I've tried to in some capacity but that summer with the Nintendo GameCube that was also the summer I got the wave bird controller and just just the different things for me at that age uh, with that generation of console just had the hugest impact on me continuing to game and also just uh, be entertained. And they've always kept games at the focal point. And I think that's something that you have to respect and appreciate because without that, everything looks the same. And it's just comes down to a few numbers and names of why you pick this console over the other. So competition's always welcomed even though Nintendo is in a place where I think it's just in its own lane. And I think that's where they thrive and they strive because they make their own rules. And they definitely did that when they made the GameCube. So I wanna know though, if you guys owned a Nintendo GameCube ever in your life, whether you're getting into like retro gaming or maybe you had an emulator, I don't know, or maybe you had one growing up like me or even had one when you were in college or whenever, whatever stage of life. Uh, did you not have a GameCube and why not? Uh, what are your favorite Nintendo consoles of all time? I know that the GameCube is definitely one of mine, if not mine right now. The Switch is, it's getting close to it. Uh, I think it's getting close to it. But we, we shall see. Also, if you guys would care to, connect with me on social media. Just search Wondersoul on Twitter and Instagram. And over there, why don't you tell me what are your favorite games on the Nintendo GameCube? And what are some of the ones that I forgot to mention? And what are some of the ones that I mentioned that really meant a lot to you and you got a lot out of? Um, there were some definite classics even till today that we talked about luigi's mansion super smash brothers melee just to name a few just to name a few anyways thank you guys for your time and attention um i really hope you guys enjoyed this episode and i hope you continue to enjoy the content here at Wondersoul, both here on the podcast and on the youtube channel if you haven't checked out the youtube channel i encourage you to go over there and check out the variety of content over there from wonder sounds to gameplay to movie discussions and so so much more wonder news is coming soon um and yeah continue to check out what's coming from wonder soul in the near future uh if you guys like this episode rate and review on apple podcast share with your friends and family and continue to do good and take care i'll talk to you guys next episode when we talk here at wonder soul peace thank you for listening to wonder soul 
Connect with the podcast through social media. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Search Wondersoul. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, rate, and review. You can find us on YouTube and Twitch. We appreciate your support. Wondersoul hopes you have yourself a good day.